Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Work Alchemy podcast, conversations about impact, where entrepreneurs and leaders share how they have impact, the sweet moments, and the challenges. I'm your host, Ursula York. I help entrepreneurs grow successful businesses that make a difference in the world. Impact is more than mission, more than purpose, even more than your why. Impact is where your unique business and self meet the world and contribute to making it better for all of us. These stories are here to inspire and energize you so you can have your own unique impact. Today on the podcast, we're going to do something a little bit different. My guest, Laura Juarez, and I will be joint interviewing each other about the very important topic of the impact of women in business. Laura Juarez is a business owner, strategist, coach, entrepreneur, yoga instructor, and overall lover of life. After a corporate career of 25 plus years, she birthed pure potential with the vision of helping high achievers courageously embody their potential, elevate their impact in the world, and prioritize their well-being. Hi, everyone. This is Laura Juarez, and I'm here with Ursula York, and we're so excited to come together in this conversation, which is really what it's intended to be, is this very kind of informal dialogue that came out of a conversation that she and I were having about women in work and the evolution of women in work over the course of our careers. And so Ursula, if you don't know her, is also a podcast host, and she'll share a bit of information about her podcast. And so what we're going to do today versus just doing kind of an interview format like you might be accustomed to if you're listening to either one of our podcasts ongoing is more of an open dialogue. But I'm super honored to have this time with you, Ursula, and really appreciative of the wisdom that you've brought to my life. And I'm excited to share some of that with my audience as well. Well, I'm delighted to be having this conversation. And for my listeners, too, in the Work Alchemy podcast, it's uh, great to have a conversation with you who are such a committed um, and dedicated entrepreneur, longtime entrepreneur of large and small companies. And uh, that's enormously valuable for people to hear that perspective. And also, um, it's been such a joy to get to know you and, and uh, really benefit from your wisdom. And uh, I'm, I'm really grateful that we have a chance to have this conversation today. Yeah, thank you for that. And, you know, I, I think um, when we've had our conversations in the past, and certainly when I talk with other women, it's easy to talk about what is still wrong right? Like what, what is still yeah. not where it needs to be from an equity standpoint across multiple platforms, whether that be with, with gender, whether that be with race, et cetera. But just from your lens, Ursula, looking at your career, I'd be super interested in having you talk a little bit about what do you think is, what, what do you think's changed for the better over the course of the last several decades for women in work? Yeah, that's a great thing to explore. I, I have seen a uh, lot more women in leadership and in senior leadership um, than I did at the beginning of my career. Um, I worked originally for a global, uh, well, I was in, ac in academia and then was in a global business environment in, in a corporate setting and before I went out on my own. And it's been really interesting to observe now how with the Me Too movement in particular, I think that uh, everyone is more open to having really direct conversations about representation by women and um, 
and also who's in leadership and how can we expand on that. Um, I think that I saw Tarana Burke uh, speak last year and uh, she talked, I hadn't realized this, but the Me Too movement is 10 years old. And I hadn't realized that it had been around that long, but it certainly gained a lot of traction and, and uh, interest. And I think it's helped men uh, be more open to conversations, at least in my experience. I'm, I'm really surrounded by amazing uh, men who are very thoughtful in many ways, but they're sometimes just not aware. And when, when I have brought something to their attention, I've had, you know, it's gratifying that they're open to it, but it's also still shocking to me that it has to be pointed out, uh, even on the most basic level of how many women versus men in a group or in leadership. Yes. So, yeah, I, that's been, true with women as well. I um, just had a conversation with one of my managers who actually sits at the executive table of my business and she oversees a lot of people within our organization and she was referring to our client service team, which is predominantly female and mm -hmm. she referred to them as girls. And I thought, wow, yes. you know, it's just that kind of unconscious bias. It's that unconscious reference that it's so important that we use our voices to speak up and say, hey, have you thought about how that lands? What's a better way to phrase that? And really just not to attack or correct, right, but to enlighten and educate and for us all to grow together. And I think that's such a great example because I think language is so important. I think we don't always recognize the import of language and using a term like that a word like that it's immediately stratifying it is it's immediately hierarchical yep. and it's uh, diminishing yes and that's not something we want to support no yeah absolutely yeah. i think so i'm glad to hear yeah that would, I'm, gl I'm glad to hear you actively are stepping in and saying let's think about how we can do this for sure and that's i think what it takes is i mean i know in my own career i've had some really amazing mentors that have come to me when i was younger and earlier in my kind of um executive role and, and, and challenged me in a very compassionate, thoughtful way to see where I was falling into gender roles or where I was self-limiting or where I was being silenced. And it was extremely beneficial. And I think anytime we have an opportunity to help one another up level, we should take it. And, and I think as receiver, it's, it's, it behooves us to come from the standpoint of assuming best intentions and really being willing to see our own blind spots. Mm. I think that's such a valuable point. I know that I'm really glad to hear that you've had such good mentoring support along the way. It made me think of, uh, a scenario where I had a, a female boss in uh, my early in my career who um, kind of actively cultivated sexual attention from her superiors and um, no one seemed to feel that that was inappropriate except me and and or similarly people were keeping their mouths shut because it was uh, not considered okay to to raise something like that but I mean, that's, 
in my experience, is, was an extreme example, but um, that same boss was not much of a mentor. She was more interested in furthering her own career. Right. So how do you think women could support each other better? Or, well, let me ask a kind of broader scope question. How do you think that we can um, move into a women's leadership role more effectively? What do you think is needed? and what is valuable. So, you know, I'm, I really believe that being able to come with our authentic voice to the table, which includes bringing our vulnerabilities and the questions that we have and the doubts that we have into a safe environment so that we can um, rise as quickly as possible, like we can kind of bypass the difficult uh, the difficulty of growth as much as possible. Like, how do we support that? So you've been through a thing in your career. I've been through a thing in my career. And now we know that as women are coming up behind us into those same kinds of leadership positions, you have something valuable to offer them because you've experienced it, right? You have that real like feet on the street experience. And so I think finding mentors that support you that have been there, done that, and who resonate with this new way of being so that there, because there's a lot of people that are still very much in this old paradigm. And what I find and what I've seen shift a lot in my years and, and, you know, kind of coming more from corporate and not so much from the entrepreneurial small business or startup mode, but in corporate, I've really found that there's this hunger that people really want to find a better way, but we don't change anything until we have the quantifiable answer and it's a known thing. So we're likely to stay in old models longer past their point of expiration, past what we know is their point of value because we don't have a sure thing to step into. And I think the more we can be involved in creating language, creating models and creating the sure thing that makes people see that, yeah, not only is it valuable to have the diversity of voice at the table and not only is it valuable to have those skills that, that, that balance out a kind of a classically masculine model of leadership, we know that that's valuable from a return on equity standpoint. Right? Mm-hmm. There's proof right. that shows that these companies are outperforming other companies. And, and it doesn't matter whether it's in the government sector, it doesn't matter whether it's privately held, publicly traded. It, we, we know this quantifiably at this point. So I think it, it's an assurance in and it needs stewards and needs people that are actively engaged in the process and committed to creating that cultural shift. Mm. I had a conversation yesterday with someone who leads a leadership program for in a wide variety of sectors. And she was saying that the kind of rational argument for women's leadership is not gaining as much traction as one would have thought would be the case. Mm-hmm. And the research shows that there's still, um, despite having good arguments in favor of, there's still not a lot of movement. So I'm, I'm wondering what your thoughts are on what holds, what holds that back. Right. Well, it's, it's the same with climate change, right? Like we've got a lot of great data around climate change, and yet the yeah. people that are in authority want to resist that data because it represents a change that has negative 
perceived impact to them personally, whether that be financial or power or otherwise. And I think that's very true in this arena that we're still struggling at the highest level of organizations, board of directors, CEO positions, president of the United States, right? We're still struggling to visualize a world where women can be at parity in those environments. It's almost like it's like this creeping up, like we're okay with it at middle management and then we're kind of okay with it at, at senior management. You're starting to see more of that movement politically, but at the highest level of control where the control and power still truly live, um, I, I think we're, we're, we're still really struggling. So I don't know what the answer is to it, I hope that there's a, some truth to this idea of tipping point, that at some point there's just enough mass, there's enough momentum, there's enough energy that it just shifts. And then I also think shifting of the guard makes a huge difference. So we're at this kind of demographic period of time when a lot of people who are leading organizations, countries, cities, right, they're, they're hitting close to retirement age. So we're going to see a pivot up and over when that happens. And um, you know, you can just hope that as the next generation is coming in, there's a more open, receptive perspective on on capability and potential. What do you think? It's interesting. Yeah. Well, it's interesting thinking about that generational aspect because I it's something I've been reflecting on, kind of observing what I see around me, and it, it's I, I see. Um, men and the younger generation are much more accepting of the presence of women mm -hmm. in leadership and in those roles. And I also still see something operating that I think has been part of this issue for a long time, which is when it comes to choosing people for projects or roles, they go to someone they feel most comfortable yes. with. And nine times out of 10, that's another man. And I'm not saying this is true of every single person, but I, it's it's something I've certainly noticed. Yes. And I mean, in a way, I guess I could be accused of having a similar bias in the sense of I want to see women in those roles, so that's who I'm recommending. Right. Uh, I'm not doing it in an even-handed way, and I'm very aware of that because I want to see more women in that, in those roles. Do you take that kind of approach, or are you trying to always be balanced about about it? You know, I think we have, um, well, I think we have unconscious bias to begin with. So, you know, yes. you're going to have preferences that just come from heart and you're going to follow those without a lot of intellectual evaluation. Um, mm -hmm. But I do, I do believe we have real catch up to do. And so when you say, gosh, you know, I, I know that I'm, I'm coming at it with this very intentional desire to place women, that is, that is a desire to correct something that has been flawed so that there's equity in a system moving forward. Someone that is coming at it from the other perspective to say, I'm trying to preserve men in those roles, right? Like that's a, that's a, um, buttoning down the the hatch like that's a, a that's right. a desire to maintain inequity at some level and I, I don't know that I would say that that is intentional but I think that there is right now there's a real need for everyone men and women to recognize that that there's a recalibration that needs to happen and the intention is not that you recalibrate to where it's female centric Right, mm -hmm. there's just more this harmony, and in fact, that there's really 
no identification around this idea of gender, that that's not relevant as we're looking at it. We're looking at it from a skill set standpoint. We're looking at it from an harmony and a holistic um, uh, genius perspective. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we're just, a, we're very far away from that. Um, but, you know, you think about, I look at my kids and they're, and I have teenagers. And so, you know, their perspective on gender, you know, we look at it still, Ursula, you know, I think about it. My initial reaction is male, female is this very kind of binary perspective. And I'm aware that there's a whole continuum. Well, you know, I think the younger you get, kids are, you know, they just think more fluidly across that whole continuum. And so how yeah. do we evolve to this place where it doesn't have anything to do about any of that? that we know and recognize, honor, that there are masculine, feminine qualities that live in all of us and that mm -hmm. they're all needed at the table. But there is a right-sizing that is happening and I think absolutely needs to happen. And it's going to take some intentional effort to get it there. Well, and I think that maybe that fluidity in terms of uh, gender identification is, is the way there. Yeah. Where the gender becomes a non-issue in the sense of of choosing there's not there's not a hat there won't have to be a kind of conscious evening out or uh, right sizing as you put it yeah so ursula what do you think you know we were talking a moment ago i was giving you that example of the client service team and what tactics or approaches have you found effective when you are in the presence of gender-specific language that is demeaning or diminishing or dismissing to, to a certain person or to a group of people? I've decided that I will do my very best to point it out at the time. And I, I have to, you know, full disclosure, uh, expose my own um, imperfection in that regard. Sometimes I'm too scared to do it. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm afraid of speaking up, but I speak up more and more. And it's, it's a growth process for me to be able to speak up in those scenarios. And I think at this point, my age helps. I can get away with that more than I did before. And I also, care less about what other people think right. than I ever have at this point in my right. life. So that combination, it's, it's all of that all mixed in together. So in terms of tactics, I mean, I, I think it's important to um, point it out when it happens, mm -hmm. not in a way that is accusing because that will close off communication so quickly. Mm -hmm but in a way of, well, what do you think this says about us as an organization when this is happening? And call it into awareness and then uh, talk about, I, I think the way you, you addressed it is a great way of doing it, of how can we do this differently? How can we use different language? How can we rectify these historical inequities and have a real conversation about it. And I, I've read a lot of Brene Brown's work and I think she does a wonderful job of talking about vulnerability. And this is the perfect scenario in which to practice being vulnerable with each other in organizations so that we're addressing these things at a real level, not just a superficial, let's tally up the numbers because as we've seen with racism and other issues that we had this illusion that this is somehow 
solved, the problem is solved, it rears up again and um, until you address it at its most fundamental level, it doesn't get addressed. Exactly, exactly. And I'm, I'm so glad you brought up this idea of acknowledging that sometimes it's just scary to say something like, you know, we have this fear that we're going to offend someone or there's, there's someone at a certain level or a certain personality type that's harder to elevate that conversation with. And so what, like, and I experienced this as well. And so I'm asking this selfishly as well from my perspective, like, what do we do with the fear? <laughs> like, so in that yeah. situation where you know, right, where you absolutely know, gosh, there is a, there is an opportunity here to shift paradigm and someone has to take the lead and say something. And yet it's scary. And for a lot of people, if you are an employee of an organization, you can feel like very vulnerable because your paycheck is dependent on the relationship that you're addressing. And so mm -hmm. what are the effective ways in which we can look the fear in the face and step forward anyways and remember to be compassionate and, and strong at the same time? Yeah. I think there's a few things that can be done. One is that we do our own inner work around looking at our fears, naming them, and then choosing to do something different. I find that deciding in advance that I'm going to speak up when these issues come up has made me do so much more consistently. And I think also we... I mean, I've done various things to um, address fear. As an entrepreneur, it's the constant companion because you're always pushing the envelope. You're always at the edge of your comfort and stepping beyond it. And so I've tried various tools. Martha Beck has this wonderful um, imagery where she has a, a lizard that sits on her shoulder and kind of embodies her fear. And I've used that many times. Um, as a way to, it's a way of recognizing that you are not your fear. This is a feeling that you have in this moment and by exteriorizing it in some way and making it, I mean, her lizard is pink and, and mine wears sunglasses and sits under a, a beach umbrella. Right. So it's, you know, playing with it and having some fun with it is helpful in lessening the kind of, uh, you know, the feeling of it in the moment because it can feel quite frightening. Oh, for sure. And I think, and I think too, you know, we as women can strategize around this and talk about what is it that we can do together and, and come to some agreement and have a kind of, I, I you know, I don't want to say accountability because that feels, well, I don't know. I mean, I'm curious to hear what you think about this. I think we need to be supportive of each other and we need to be careful about being too um, aggressive and holding people to account when there's so many layers of struggling with it. What do you, yeah. what do you think about yeah, that? Yeah, no, I think that that's a great point. I, I love the externalization of the fear, by the way, and it's a concept. I've, I've called it something different. Like I've, I've called it working with my own gremlin and given my gremlin, mm -hmm. like, you know, mine, mine's a coyote because the coyote's the trickster and just when yes. I think I've got it like all together, that <laughs> trickster shows up and throws fear in my way or my old stories come <laughs> up and these limiting beliefs around not being good enough. And so to have it embodied in this coyote that is 
cute and has a little pink bandana on, right? Like this, this helps immensely to remember, right. oh, this, this isn't me at my core. And so mm -hmm. how is it that we, how is it that we revitalize our own courage? And, um, I, you know, I think having some prepared thoughts, not just this decision around, gosh, when these things come up, I'm addressing it, but also mm. running through what are the different things you can say and mm. being prepared with that because in the moment, you're going to go into this fight or flight and what is going to come out of your mouth is going to be reactive. And then we create this, this versus that or this me versus you kind of environment. And it can feel very much like an attack. And so, you know, I think going in and saying, okay, here are three ways for me to approach this. And they're all holding space. They're all about elevation and they're all about creating inquiry. And then mm -hmm. when the situation comes up, I'm practiced in saying those things. And so I know how to deliver that without feeling like I'm going to like, you know, that I'm choking over it. So I would really encourage um, people, men and women, right? Like men hear this stuff too, and they're rolling their eyes at this point because mm -hmm. there's a level of self-awareness at the table. And, um, you know, what is it that we are prepared to say and just to have them down pat, go over them like you would practice a speech and then be prepared to deliver it. Yeah, I like that. I like mm -hmm. that idea. Yeah. You know, in the, you were commenting, I think, getting at this idea of how do women come together in support of one another. Um, we were talking before we started this conversation around women gathering and, and the power and um, potency of that when done well. And mm -hmm. so I think, you know, for women, it's really important that we come with this whole self of compassion and strength right? Vulnerability and power. And we are with one another and elevating one another in real ways. So you and I could have a fascinating conversation around something theoretical, or we can have a conversation around how it's landing in your heart, heart, how it shows up in your life. And then we can share those experiences with one another and we grow as a result of yeah. that. And I just think that more conversation like that is so valuable because then we're empowered to come from this place of creating collective expansion versus um, approaching something from the standpoint that in order for one thing to rise, something else must fall. And that, mm. you know, that's just more of the old. Yeah. Yeah. It's that lack mentality mm. of there's a finite amount and we're, we have to deal with, with one get something that it's taken away from someone else. Yeah. I love that your practical focus, because it, it uh, makes me think about the fact that we, we can have impact, we can affect our immediate worlds um, effectively, and it's, it's good to talk about things on a high level and have philosophical conversations, and I think we also need to then put it into action. I mean, this makes me think of, you know, strategy and mm -hmm. then implementation in an organization when it comes to impact. So it's, I mean, it makes me think about, well, where am I playing a role? Where can I play a role in, in furthering this? For example, I'm really involved in the startup community. How do I open up opportunities for women in that setting? Because the, the numbers are not good in terms of venture capital funding. In 2018, so we're not talking prehistoric times, last year, 2.2% of venture capital funding went to 
companies with a woman founder. Wow. And if you look at companies that have multiple founders and at least one woman, that goes up to 12%, but still it's a fraction of where uh, funding is going. So in a, there's obviously a, a much bigger question there in terms there's something systemic happening there and how can we contribute to that? And that starts to feel daunting because it's, it's, it's a big issue. Right. Um, but what can I do in my role in the startup community to give women more opportunities to present well, to be put in front of um, venture capitalists, to be put in front of women focused venture capitalists because there are now a number of groups where women are getting together to um, provide funding for uh, women owned and uh, organizations owned by people of color. So yeah, yeah, you know, those statistics are shocking. And it, um, I mean, I think it helps me also to reconcile the fact that this topic still makes me very angry. (laughs) You know, that it, and that's, that's real. Like that's a, that, you know, there's, maybe that's not effective, but we should, we should be upset. We should be angry. We should be outraged by those kinds of statistics. We should, there should be outrage at what women are enduring at the table, what gets said to them. The fact that a woman could still be referred to in, in sexual language or, um, groped and this stuff still happens and mm-hmm. you know and then you look at all of the kind of the more under the surface discrimination that happens just with languaging and conditioning but i think it's how do we mobilize that anger but demonstrate a new way of creating change so positive change through uh, an elevation, through education, but through a clear voice. And it's important that we all use our voice because it, it matters tremendously. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's important to acknowledge that anger and frustration. And, and then what can we do with that? And I, I saw an interview recently with Gloria Steinem, who's mm-hmm. one of the founders of the women's movement. and she has remained consistently persistent Mm -hmm. over decades of that difficult work. And I I think perhaps that is still what we need to do is Mm -hmm. to be consistently persistent. And um, that, that takes some, that takes some doing and, and there's an opportunity to um, at least at times transform some of that anger into action and put it into put it into play. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And and I do think it's worth noting that, you know, at the end of the day, women can come together and we can create change, but it's really important that this isn't a gender specific movement, that it is very much everyone deciding that there's a better way, that there's a a a, a clear path to victory and that brings everyone along in the process because statistically men are still very much making the lion's share of key decisions around policy, right? We're seeing this right now with reproductive rights. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, men are still very much governing commerce with our, our large corporations and there's change that's happening, but we're still, you know, well below the threshold of true equity and influence. And a friend of mine is doing some programming, you know, she kind of came up in corporate and 
and she's my age, so she's experienced kind of all the same things. I do think it's different for the next generation. I think there's a shift that's happening. Um, but she's dedicating her career at this point to working exclusively with men. And she is building programs that support men and having this conversation around the role that they can play, not just in terms of the elevation of all, but what do they need to rewire? And then what does this create as invitation to them to be more vulnerable, to be more open, to be um, more whole and authentic at the table? So those are skills that haven't been rewarded and it needs leadership. And so, you know, mm -hmm. I really love that. And I think that that's important as well, that we not forget that this is, this is an opportunity for everyone to elevate and um, making sure that there's appropriate support for everyone across the board. And I think, too, this is something that we need to involve men in in a very deliberate way. I, I believe that if we had been able to solve this with just women, mm -hmm. Um, then it would have been solved by now. Right. I think that we need the collaboration with conscious, self-aware men who are interested in mm -hmm. not even seeing equity, but seeing per se, it's, it's really about bringing in different perspectives mm -hmm. and different voices in whatever form that takes. There are a lot of great men out there, yes. and they're doing really good work yes. in the world. And I think, you know, for the time being, we're going to have to keep pointing this out as an issue. And what can we do together that's going to mm -hmm. really address this? I, I really liked what you said about what, what learning could we do? What teaching could be done? What programs could be implemented? Mm -hmm. I think a lot of good people are doing work in that realm. And that's going to well, we'll see. Yeah. I mean, we'll see if that addresses the issue. And if not, we'll Try something else. Exactly. Because it's, it's yeah. worth trying, right? It's worth this continuous yeah. movement towards, for sure. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Well, Laura, I, I uh, wanted to, to kind of wrap this up, uh, give you an opportunity to talk about how people can get in touch with you. Yeah, absolutely. So um, for those of you that don't know, I own a company called Pure Potential, and Pure Potential exists for to help leaders and visionaries on their path to creating real impact and meaning in their worlds, in their careers, and then also how is it that we do our great work in the world without sacrificing ourselves. So I grew up in corporate and um, have, have done a lot of self-sacrifice along the way to my detriment, and I feel really compelled to help people find a better way um, with that. So you can definitely check me out at www.laurawarez.com. My podcast is called Living Your Pure Potential. So you can search that on any of the podcast outlets. And I have a weekly e-letter called Aligned that you can subscribe to if you just pop over to my website as well. How about for you, Ursula? Will you share a little bit with the listeners how they can follow your work? Sure. And I can attest to the value of the work that Laura offers. So I really encourage you to check out those resources that she provided. So you can find me at uh, workalchemy.com, and there's a lot of resources there. I also have a podcast, uh, Work Alchemy, The Impact Interviews, where you can find me in various uh, outlets as well. And my focus is really on helping leaders to determine the impact they want to have, develop strategy that's aligned with it, and then supporting them in the implementation of that. Because it's one thing to have a big vision, 
it's another to really maintain that commitment to impact when the day-to-day concerns come into play. So, um, Laura, I'm so delighted to have been able to have this conversation with you. Always a pleasure. Yeah. And uh, so I look forward to more conversations and, and more action taking yes. on, on this issue and others. Yeah, for sure. And I, I, I echo that. And for everyone who's listening, I would be really curious just to know what your takeaway is or what tactics and input you have to this conversation, because that's exactly what it is. It's this conversation that needs to keep rolling. And we're really excited to be part of it with you. So thank you for your time as listeners as well. I love that idea. Yes. Love to hear from people because we're together. We'll come up with some solutions. Yeah. 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 Have a great day, everyone. Join us for more episodes. Subscribe to the Work Alchemy podcast on iTunes or Stitcher Radio so you'll know as soon as new episodes are available. You can even help spread the word. Leave a review if you like what you've heard. Thanks for listening. Until next time, for ongoing support so you can have your own impact, Join our community of entrepreneurs like you by liking the Work Alchemy Facebook page.